Welcome to episode 435 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have a grand conversation with a great friend of the program, writer, Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright, Martina Mayok. We talk with Martina about the restaging of her latest work, Sanctuary City, about the immigrant experience, chance and circumstance, the reworking of another one of her plays, Queens, as a television program for HBO, being in London to work on a libretto for The Great Gatsby. We discuss F. Scott Fitzgerald, our American society as of late, and raising kittens, among other things. A wonderful conversation with Martina Mayok. We have an EWSA titled Docile, and our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavis, shares five poems about the bombing of Hiroshima, written by schoolchildren and part of a collection titled When I Was Small. We have an EW poem called Purpose, and of course, all of this will be infused and imbued with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It's so nice to be with you. Let's get to it. Episode 435 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours.
docile. I am not sure what to say today. It all seems so plain and simple without a wrinkle. The need to succeed at being someone, though what that means exactly is where the difficulty resides. This neck on the right side of mine has been tight and stiff for a bit over a week. I believe it has something to do with the answers and understanding I seek. Jesus said something about how the riches of the earth shall be inherited by the meek. I don't like that message. It sounds like a means by which masses of people can be manipulated into being docile and obsequious as those who hoard power feast at the table set nicely for them, as one after another we prepare and give a multitude of resources and toil, as if our existence is nothing but a covered dish to be enjoyed when and how they see fit. No appreciation, entitled to all of it, the myths and legends, the darkness and the heavens, our love and fear, our jealousy so subtle, the notions of winners and losers and castes, hierarchies, lust, forlorn fervor for fortunes of a physical world, the promised land or bust, lures us away from lush lives of togetherness, simple and deep, these stories not lived nor written, and thus forever untold. Though time remains for me and thee to wake up and be Buddha-like and bold, the sun, moon, stars, streams, rivers, oceans, lakes, dreams, Dirt, trees, flowers, air are without apathy or despair. Like a newborn sapiens, they are just arrived again here, no worse from where. Instead, beautifully prepared. <laughs>
Hello. Hey, Martin Amayuk, is that you? Yes, it is. Thank you so much for being on Troubadours and Rock On Tours again. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, for those who do not know uh, who Martina is, she is a writer. She's a Pulitzer Prize winning playwright, 2018 for drama. Cost of Living is the work. And uh, we've talked, I don't know, this might be sixth or seventh time. I don't know. Really? Yeah, that's great. I feel honored. Me too. And uh, I know you're working on getting right now back on stage since the pandemic, uh, another one of your uh, plays, Sanctuary City. And um, we're going to talk about that as well as how things have been going since the pandemic. Uh, Cats, I think, helped you out a bit, right? That's right. (laughs) So how is everything going? It's it's going pretty well. I mean, I I feel like like knock wood and everything. Like um, we started rehearsal on Tuesday, and um, have a shorter rehearsal period because we were we were about a, a week and change away from opening. So, um, we are mostly remembering the show. Um, and it's been it's just been really wonderful to be with that group of people again. Um, and now I'm just, uh, you know, hoping everyone stays healthy and hoping people feel comfortable seeing the show or how we can, how we can bring the show to people who may not feel comfortable, you know, showing up in in a theater. Um, but like, yeah, knock wood, things are going real good right now. That's excellent. You know, and, and I, I know, um, the show was just getting started back, uh, in 2020 and people were just starting to come in and, and, you know, critics were just starting to look at it. I don't know if you got an official critical review. Uh, no, I, we, we never got to open. Actually, I think we were we were a few days away from our freeze date. So critics weren't even they weren't even coming in. I don't I don't think um, we, I was still technically able to make changes to the show. But we were I, yeah, like we can have them from opening. So, no, in, in a sense, it feels like, oh, it didn't happen. Like, you know, two months of work. And, you know, years of work on that play sort of didn't happen because there wasn't, critics weren't able, to, weren't able to come in. But it might have been what saved our opportunity to do the show again, partially, is because it didn't feel like it got to uh, got to be, sh- be shown. Right. If it did, then maybe the, it would have been just a, a really short run. And okay. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know our associate producer, uh, Dr. Michael Pavis, he had a chance to see it in the previews and he loved it. And sure. uh I trust his judgment. He's, I mean, he's he. Well, he thinks he's one of your biggest fans. So, Aww. Um, and uh, just for people who don't know, uh, it just uh, I'm reading from Playbill. Uh, what Sanctuary City is kind of about: uh, dreamers, friends, and lovers negotiating the promise of safety and the weight of responsibility in America. Very, very short summary, but maybe it gives a taste. Do you want to add to that? Yeah, this it's it's uh it's kind of a, it's I guess it's a history play you could say it's set in it starts in two thousand one right after nine eleven and it follows um it follows two then teenagers um both immigrants one who's undocumented and when one of one of the one of them becomes naturalized they decide to get married in order for the other to be able to stay in the country and pursue his education and. Uh, and uh, then you can, and then you'll see what happens. <laughs> right, you don't want to give it all away. Um, now, were you working on this uh, 
before cost of living your Pulitzer Prize winning player? Was it right after? Is it? Is it? Uh, is it? It was know. after. I. I uh, after cost of living, I. I was working on a play called Queens, and one day while I was writing that play, which took it, it took slash is still taking. I don't. I don't feel like I ever quite figured out that play. Um, and I, and it may be that the, the way to figure out that play is actually through a series, which is what I'm doing with, with it now. But I was I was working on the play on Queens, and one night um, there was a, a dreamer character who who walked into the narrative, and um, I uh, that night I couldn't sleep because I kept thinking about about somebody from my from my life. Um, got up at three in the morning because I because the thoughts just kept churning and started writing what I thought were, you know, notes to myself. Which realized I was like, oh, I think these are notes for a play. I was like, oh, actually, I think I'm writing the play. And then in three days, I had this. I had the draft of Sanctuary City, um, and that that I've been sort of like developing ever since. Wow. So, so uh, Sanctuary City is spawned from Queens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, in a way. Yeah, there so it was like March 7, 2017 I think it was. Um when when I started writing that play. It's neat how you remember the dates. Do you date all your work <laughs> as you're doing it? I think it I think the reason why I why I remember it was because because of Trump. To be honest, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is when this was the beginning of the beginning of that time." Oh yeah, <laughs> we we had we we shouldn't have mentioned his name, but it's, I know. Sorry, I know I ruined it. It's good that he's <laughs> in the past. Yeah. I, I hope he's in the past. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it was like it was the 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 ban the ban on travel for for particular Muslim countries was had just happened in January. Um, there were, yeah, I just felt like I was surrounded by that news and by other news and, um, as well as just, you know, memories and, um, of people who had gone through similar things many years before. And so I, so I think that was, yeah, that's why I think I remember that time, that time. I think (laughs) it's St. Patrick's Day, isn't it too? Isn't that St. Patrick's Day? (laughs) Yeah, so maybe I was drinking. (laughs) (laughs) All the memories bubble up. (laughs) I hear you. So, um, Sanctuary City, and it'll, it'll, uh, I think, I'm looking at the dates here now. It's in September. September 8th is a significant date, I remember. Um, and opening night, though, is the 21st, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's at the Lucille, Lucille Lortel Theater off Broadway. Uh, well, I wish you, you know, break a leg. Thank uh, you. <laughs> And hopefully we get a chance to to uh, check it out. I guess right now the run is into October, but maybe it'll get extended. You don't know I yet. I hope. I hope. I hope. Yeah. It sort of depends on whether whether folks are comfortable coming to the theater. Yeah, that's a big deal. And I know you were in London recently. You've been working. Yeah. You, you mentioned Queens in a series. Are you talking about a television series? Yeah, I'm developing the idea for HBO for for an hour long drama series based on based on the characters w- within Queens. That's so right now we're calling it Queens, but I think I heard recently that there is a show that's coming out that is called Queens, so I got to figure that one out. But <laughs> yeah, and then you have the King of Queens, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to get mixed up. Yeah, there's a, there's a few like yeah, and then like two dub Queens. I'm like maybe all right. I gotta maybe find something a little bit more distinct. But Queens, I mean, the setting is in Queens, which is right. Yeah, yeah. The setting is in Queens, and it's a story of a group of of immigrant women from from different countries and so i was like oh double meaning i felt very proud of myself for a second now i'm like man there's a few other people and and you know queens in the sense of 
the way like what they have to deal with to me is is uh, the, you know the 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 height of of the pressure of what a queen would have to do uh, running her running one's own domain um on those on the ter- on, on their terms uh so i so i felt it felt it was it was appropriate but might need to might need to shift <laughs> and it's kind of autobiographical right i mean with regard to your your mom I guess all of the plays are in somewhat that there's there's some there's some sort of autobiography in the sense that like either I witnessed my my mom, my family or some of my friends, uh, people I grew up with going through some of those some of some of the things in the plays. Um, and but I but I never feel like they or it's not it's not particularly inspiring for me to kind of do like a docudrama. Um, or or journalism, just because it's not um, it, uh, like emotional journalism, I guess. Like the let, letting emotional memory uh, be the uh, and imagination be the thing that that drives it. But coming out of coming out of something that felt that that was that was true. But yeah, so muddy autobiography. Um, while concealing as much as I possibly can about who these people, who like who the things happen to. But yeah, my mom, my mom's for Queens. It's uh, partly it is partly my mom's like experience with um, the various immigrations, migrations. I guess that 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 you go through from going from a country to another country to a community to another community to um, when you when you're sometimes abandoned by your own community and who you have to then like seek out making makeshift families and um, kind of like I said, relational migrations, um, especially for a single woman or a woman with, you know, or a single mother um, uh, who has to figure out her own life as well as the life of her family. I swear it's funny. I always talk about them like, these sound so sad, but like, I swear it's funny. Well, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a, fine line i think you would agree between tragedy and hilarity right or i don't even know if it's a fine line i think it's so absurd sometimes you can't help but i remember my grandmother for example she's an immigrant and um uh, she could hardly speak english and her her husband was killed in the coal mine when she had a bunch Mm -hmm. of kids and and she laughed a lot though i remember when she was laughing and you'd you'd ask her you know why are you laughing nana and she'd say well if i weren't laughing i'd be crying that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, your mom was, uh, she emigrated from Poland, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And were you born in Poland or were you born here? I was born in Poland. Uh, we came, we came over together uh, when I was, when I was a kid. It was just, it's, so it's just the two of us in America and my half sister was born, was born here in Newark. And right around Hoboken, I guess, is that where you were? Raised? Yeah, in, around Newark, yeah. Newark, right, right. And uh, and you worked hard, and you're a good student, and you ended up going to some great colleges, and and uh, wrote wrote and wrote wrote and and here here you are today. Uh, there, you know, there was there, I, I felt like there was I don't know there there's luck there's been luck along the way. Like I um, I loved school. I loved. I, I loved learning and reading and, and, and also like the validation of doing well in school. I was like, Oh, look, I got an award. And then like people would pay attention to me. I was like, Oh, I like this feeling. <laughs> Pursue this feeling. Uh, but um, yeah, I feel like there's people ask a lot about like, Oh, American dream. Like, Oh, you've achieved your American dream. And I'm like, not, 
I'm not happy. <laughs> like, I don't feel fulfilled. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I feel grateful, but I don't feel like, oh, I was achieved certain things and therefore like I'm, I'm done and there's no, there's no longer a gaping hole of need and sadness that I have to <laughs> like negotiate and, and um, w- work around. But like, I, I could have, and at any at any moment, like um, there was not a safety net, there was not a financial safety net. There was, you know, I grew up with a lot of violence as well, and and my like my experience of growing up is not that dissimilar from a lot of the people that I did grow up with, for whom things didn't turn out um, necessarily. I don't know in the same like from the outside. Oh, you've achieved your American dream. They might be happy, but they might be happier. Um, so I, yeah, I guess I just want to like yeah, I worked hard and I and I went to. I went to schools that I, that like seemed from the outside fancy because of scholarships and things like that. But, um, I just know that that isn't, it's part, part, part of it is like luck and not for lack of trying that other people did not achieve that. I think they, like, there are many, there are many, many, many like opportunities for stumbling along the way that like when you're coming from a more precarious upbringing, you just, um, so it's harder to do so it's harder to get there i guess and so this is my like shout out to the folks that like yeah i i feel i feel very fortunate and they could it could have easily been been them like minus one or two big moments of like trauma i get it yeah i I totally get it i I, I'm, i'm reading a book now um that puts things into perspective. I know you might have read it, Sapiens. Uh, it was pretty. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's got some interesting insights, uh, things that I knew about. Uh, mm-hmm. But but just you, you just you're connecting me to to the realization, the uh, the insight that even if you are very talented uh, and you work hard, depending on what the context is that you're coming up in, the culture, the the community, you know, that spells out the kind of access and opportunity you're going to have and the challenge, extra challenges, as you're putting it, that you might have that uh, could build you or could cause you to get lost or get tripped up no fault through no fault of your own. Um, yeah, so it is, it is amazing the, saying, knowing all of that, again, where, you know, where you are, but you can't rest on your laurels. I'm sure you, that's what you're saying too. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a constant. There's, there's, it doesn't, it doesn't sort of stop. I think in a, uh, which I don't know for for good or for good or bad. Like, there's, there's a drive that still exists, but like, um, and also nothing, nothing fixes it. Like, as nothing has fixed it, so I'm like, oh, perhaps a pursuit in like uh, accolades and valid, like external validation is not the thing, but yet it feels important. Um, and like we, to to add to what we were saying about like luck and and for and circumstances for other people, like when I'm thinking about sanctuary city, like you know the 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 person slash people, like that 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 un, undocumented character is based on, like there are practical, true limitations that people in that circumstance were not like they were not able to go to. Uh, to, to to school, for example, unless they're because they can't apply for federal financial aid, so they have to rely on scholarships unless they're wealthy. And so it's like I got scholarships, I got federal financial aid to be able to go to school. Like that is very, like that is a very clear and tangible like difference between like the fact that I then became an, like we was not undocumented 
um, and so was able to was able to get financial aid and go to school and then like meet the people and do the you know like have the opportunities whereas like somebody who might have been just as smart or worked just as hard didn't have access to that like a very practical limitation that they had exactly exactly by the way folks we're talking to Pulitzer Prize winning playwright Martina Mayok and um, we're looking at uh, some of I guess the essence of of uh, what drives her what influences her and uh, what she's working on at present now a couple of other things here uh, girl interrupted we can talk about that that kind of connects to what we're discussing also uh, the great Gatsby does as well <laughs> yeah oh definitely <laughs> yep so if you want to share some of you know you know the, the, what you're working on in, in those two uh, projects and maybe even make some connections if you like yeah, but I just came back from from London from a from a month long workshop where basic where I um, wrote finished the draft of the libretto adaptation for The Great Gatsby with um, Florence Welch and Thomas Bartlett doing music and I wow. I it's uh, that book man <laughs> I I uh, like I you know I think I have had a similar journey with that book that most people and most Americans at least have which is like I read it in high school and didn't. I was like, yeah, okay. didn't really, it didn't move me in the, in the same way that it did when I picked it up in January and was in my thirties during a pandemic. <laughs> I was like, Oh God. I mean, it's glorious, glorious, stunning writing. It um, is. And, and like, uh, I, I have, I've gone down the rabbit hole of Fitzgerald uh, just being, becoming obsessed with him and becoming obsessed with like the creation of that, that book and one of the one of the the, the books I'd read about about it, um, uh, I think it was Marine Corrigan in So We Read On, which is there's so much there's so much about um, about the Great Gatsby written about the Great Gatsby can kind of feel a little bit daunting because you're like God, it's like been so well mined. Um, but she she says um, about the book that it's um, it part maybe the reason why we love it is that um, it. It contains like the idea that we would like to have about ourselves as Americans, not like who we actually are as Americans, but the idea of who we would like to be. There's something that is just like otherworldly transcendent. There's a yearning for that. There's like a deep longing and yearning throughout the, as well as, you know, humor, which is uh, humor and like, and the perspective on that, on that, on that story. And I think the American mentality that is so, um, that just keys into the stuff, the things that I'm that I'm interested in, and and reading it in a in a in a pandemic while I'm in my in my thirties, uh, it really is a great book for people in their thirties. You sort of feel like, wait a minute, this is it? Oh no, oh no, <laughs> it might not get any better. Wait, no, but it must. And there's this there's this um this fantastic quote that I like now have memorized from um, Fitzgerald in one of his, one of his essays that goes the, the maybe, maybe people know it, but um, it really had an impact on me. The, the quote goes, the test of a first rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposing ideas in the mind and still be able to function. Uh, one must understand that things are completely hopeless and yet be determined to make it otherwise. And I feel like that's like tattooed under my eyelids now that there's. Mm-hmm. I love it. Like, yeah, we must like you know it's like we can't go on. We must go on. That there that that um Beckett, Beckett. Yeah, that is that um 
right it's like i think i think sometimes we get this like a, oh it's either sad or it's or it's happy there's this is duality but i'm like actually the, the pieces of art that speak like close most closely are are the ones that are able to sustain that like this the, the dream is broken and yet we must like just feels i it's so incredibly moving to me and so i love the, i love the book and i've just been happy to be able to spend time with the words and try to find a way to 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 have it dr- do dramatically what it does for me as as a as a reader and of course i will fail because it's a different thing i like don't think it's going to ever be the same but i'm just trying to at least like convey my love for for the story and Florence's music and Thomas's music is beautiful. So I'm just trying my best and having a good time, but I'm proud of what we've made so far. And that's yeah. It sounds exciting. And I, I suppose it'll be staged uh, in the West end somewhere. We're actually hoping to premiere in America. It feels important that this very American story has the, even though like, like well, at the moment it's primarily British collaborators, although we're adding more American Americans to the creative team um but yeah I felt important to have it happen in America and so we're trying to find the place the place for that with the hopes maybe perhaps the dream the dream scenario is that it would be in 2023 um in early 23 excellent somewhere here (laughs) I I can't wait so many great things and that was an inspired uh reflection on on uh Fitzgerald and the great Gatsby thank you for sharing it oh I love him I love him so yeah I do as well. He's an enigma to me, you know, as oh. his personal life and uh, how, you know, all, I, I'm very curious about who he was and how mm. I, I don't know that there's much out there besides his work. I guess you get it from his work. Uh, you know. Yeah, he's written, he's like chronicled his life in such a way as though he wanted to, you know, he's wrote, he's these scrapbooks about his life and has written about his life and 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 journaled and wrote all these essays that feel like oh you wanted to be you wanted people to to know i think um to to try to understand yourself as well as like get get a full picture um he i think that we all feel like we're gatsby no matter what economic situation we're in as well like most of us feel like we're like these striving person that's gone as far as they could and yet it's still not enough. Like they still have to do it. And I think that there, like there's aspects of that in Fitzgerald as well from like, but isn't that strange? Like we like do this sort of, we do this psychoanalysis on these authors, like, you know, based on just what they've left us. And like, that's a choice too. Like there's a, we can't possibly know the fullness of any one person, but we have this limited writing, which itself, which is in itself, it's like a curation of what this person has wanted to leave or what has been found out about them. Like, Mm -hmm. um, but he, he like, like sparks my imagination. And I think the, like the American imagination, because we feel like there's something that is like inherent in the American character within him that he manifests. And like it, that is in that book that I think we want to, understand him to be able to understand our ourselves and like our american psychology i love it i think you're you're right on to it and uh, you know the the whole notion of our american psychology is is it to try to process and comprehend that is is a feat uh and i know over the last year and a half or so we've had extra time to do it given (laughs) You know, with the pandemic, but also some of the social movements uh, that were were always there or 
I guess the the challenges. But now we we had extra time to see them and think about yeah. them. How did all that? How is all that playing out for you uh, as as an individual and, and as an artist? I mean, I feel completely ill-equipped. Like maybe that's exactly what I'm supposed to feel. I, or it's just, I mean, I can't help it. This is what I'm supposed to feel. I'm like not sure how to respond to. Part of it feels like a lot of it is not my is is not my story, and other parts of it feel like absolutely it should. There's like I'm implicated in all of it as well, and like I don't. I I have z- zero answers aside from like looking at like you know actual community organizers and people who are who are like on on the ground that and feeling like oh you guys know you 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 guys know how to do this all I know how to do is to tell stories that like try to expand our our understand like contribute to humanity and like bring us together in terms of other people but like which also but also that feels like a cop out at times like when there's actual you know lives are lives are at stake but like i'm like i can offer this and and um and like have mostly have mostly questions i feel deep like i'm not doing i'm not ever doing enough and is it yeah at at a loss i mean the the fact that we I, i can't watch the videos like i i just don't i i like don't want to I don't know how like watch people's final moments be that. Um, uh, and, and I'm yeah, I'm stumbling because I don't, I mean, this is like, that was, this has been the whole pandemic. Like I just basically did a, did a performance art piece of like how I felt during the whole pandemic of like, Oh God, what do I do? Oh no. What does anything mean? Um, what is, what, what is the thing to do? And during one's finite life, um, is it, it how do we spend this time um why are we why is this the situation that we're in um when will it ever be enough the like the spirals of questions have i think like i mean personally for me like i i had a i had a tough time i like had like a, a i don't i don't know if you would call it a breakdown but i had like a um like a really tough period in the in the, in the pandemic where i think um it was a lot of questionings of what the life means and where what am i um what am i doing with my with my time here being i've always been aware of mortality i think in terms of the way that i grew up but like it was an extra reminder um uh and um what have been the values that i have rested my life on are they correct perhaps could they be could they be could they be better? Oh, notice that you don't feel there is there is something that feels empty. Why? And like that that question, I think has like led most of most of what the pandemic what the pandemic is. And maybe that's one's thirties as well. I don't know, but it seems like it just like coincides. My my thirties coincide with a pandemic, and so like maybe it's just like the ex- outside is the is like what's happening internally to me as well. Uh, could ramble but i don't i don't know i don't know (laughs) no that was not rambling that was not rambling at all you you know you're in my estimation uh from my experience talking with you and reading your work watching your work uh, you're a brilliant human being and i I mean brilliant not only in in your intelligence and your your soulfulness but i mean you know you shine too uh Mm -hmm. and and that i i'm not trying to 
overly compliment you because I know it makes you feel uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, I, I, I really, uh, I, I just, I value artists very much um, and good people. And most people have goodness in them, but there are those, I think, who try to cultivate it and try to wrestle with the demons that we all have more so and are aware of it. And I think you're that kind of person. And I don't mean to, I probably don't even know what I'm talking about. And I don't, again, I don't mean to make you feel uncomfortable or oversimplify you, but I, I, I like you. I'm happy you're here. And I, I love, the, I love your work. I love talking with you. You too. Thank you very much. I hope we can hang, get drinks, very socially distanced drinks at some point soon. Yeah, me as well. Me as well. Um, I know you're, you have to get to the theater today to work on Sanctuary City. Um, and again, that'll be uh, available for on stage for the public to check out uh, September 21, right? Well, first, first show is September 8th. And yeah, we officially open on September 21, running through hopefully, I think, mid-October. Excellent. Uh, and that, that is uh, at the Lucille... I want to make sure I get it right. Lortel Theater, right? That's right. Yeah, it's under it's under the New York Theater Workshop. It's in within their within their season, but it's at a different location. Um, our set had been up the entire pandemic, <laughs> so that's where we went right back to. That's just you had to dust it off. Yeah, it was kind of a, it was a, it was amazing. It was like opening up a chest, like a chest from the past. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, what about the the uh, series on HBO that we're we're calling Queens now, but may have a we're different name? Queens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still we're still in development, and actually, I have notes about it on Tuesday. So <laughs> it's a long process. Yes, I'm working on a film for them as well. Um, it's and um, I feel like a baby in the world of TV and film, but I'm like, oh, it's a lot of notes and producers conversations. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I didn't, we didn't even talk about the film. Is that based on anything you've uh, already worked on uh, from first stage, or is it something brand new? It's uh, yet to be announced, but it's a book. It's an adaptation of a book. Oh, okay. For a book um, from the 20th century? Um, a few, from a few years ago. A few years ago. Excellent. Mm-hmm. All right, excellent. And um, last thing before we, we let you go, Martina, uh, would it, you know, what did you learn while fostering kittens <laughs> during the pandemic? Um, guys, I highly recommend fostering small baby animals during, uh, during times of trouble. Um, it, well, f- first off, um, I learned usually kitten season is um, in the spring, but because of climate change, um, it's kitten season all the time now um uh because of the fluctuating temperatures uh so the cats the cats are busy and (laughs) there's a lot of baby kittens out there to foster um we we fostered uh two two pairs and it was just the most joyful um experience during during like the depths of winter uh to to be able to care for us we have a, we we have already have a cat who hated who hated all the kittens so we had to keep them separate but um like caring for these small sweet animals and just looking at them like made my face erupt in smiles and and um yeah i think um i think it was like 
just just being able to like be outside yourself and care for I don't have children this is the closest this is the closest I imagine to like looking at a baby who smiles back at you and like feeding some kittens who are very who are happily fed and um the the feeling of purpose that feeling of like purpose and joy that that gives you I cannot recommend it enough to foster kittens or puppies or or whatever small animal that you respond to when in times of trouble <laughs> or or not in any time any time yeah I I hear you and they they're usually uh, so forgiving right and. and... <laughs> If you feed them, if you keep them warm, we also like, it's very fun to name foster kittens. The first pair were called Bruce and Dollar Slice, um, in, in homage to my land, that's <laughs> of New Jersey. And the other pair, um, because I was in, in Gatsby land were named Daisy and Myrtle. So it's just like, it's great. <laughs> I love it. I, I remember a pair I had two white kittens way back. One was Pablo and the other one was Moon Juice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pablo ran through uh, an easel with paint on it when, when we first got him. Right. So Pablo, of course, Picasso. Right. And Moon Juice was so white, we just... <laughs> moon Juice. Yeah. When they come in pairs, just like, and this one's called Myrtle Wyckoff, or this one's called, like, I don't you know, just like the pairing is very fun. <laughs> moon Juice is great. <laughs> Martina, you're great. Thank you so you're much. Great. For, oh, it's always a pleasure. I really... Uh, one of these days, we've never really met uh, other no. than this way but i feel uh like a, in a little way i have a connection with you but you know not to not to be too self-indulgent you're something of a, a national treasure in my view and i look forward to to talking with you more and watching you uh work and, and seeing seeing all the the uh insight about humanity that you you share thank you i look forward to raising a glass with you one of these days somewhere somehow <laughs> Yes, until then. Yes. Break a leg. Thank you, everyone. Be safe. I send much love. Ciao. Bye. Chimney falls as lovers plays A thought that I was young Now I freeze in hands And bloodless fate is now as I've become I'm so tired I wish I was the moon and I Last night I dreamt I'd forgotten my name Cause I sold my soul But I woke just the same I'm so lonely And I wish I was the moon tonight God bless me, I'm a free man With no place free to go Lovers play. I thought that I was young. Now I 
father's fate is numb as I've become. I'm so tired. I wish I was the moon tonight. How will you know if you found me at last? Five poems by Japanese schoolchildren about Hiroshima from a collection entitled When I Was Small, translated by Rachel Reese. Atomic Bomb Poem, Morihiro Miko, fourth grade. Because I was small at the time, I was in a baby's carriage. All at once it went dim. There was a bright flash all of a sudden and the carriage I was in was smashed to pieces. Mom and I were trapped underneath. Mom came crawling right away and pulled my hand. My dad was found in the rubble of the castle, dead with the second troop. Untitled Masanishi Maso, Sixth Grade Stacking toy blocks in kindergarten when we were playing, the atomic bomb fell. The ceiling fell. Yo-Chan died. I hurt my head. When we ran with the kindergarten teachers toward a mountain in Koi, we saw a mountain far away on fire. No one said a word. Untitled, Tao Kinu. Fifth grade. After the bomb dropped, Mom was cooking the rice we had set aside for a special occasion. What are we fighting for? She said. Takashi, Takashi, come back safely, she said, making rice balls in tears. Untitled. Ikizaki Toshio, fourth grade. The A-bomb fell and put a hole in the house. The wind entered from the hole that had opened in the roof. It's cold. When it's cold, my little sister whines. Cover the roof with paper. But mother says, you have to be patient. My sister still complained. But it's cold. 
Even if it's cold, there's nothing we can do about it, Mother said, in tears. Untitled, Sato Komoko, 5th grade. Yoshiko was stuck in bed with her burns. She said she wanted to eat tomatoes, so Mom went out to buy them. While Mom was gone, Yoshiko died alone. We only fed her potatoes and left her to die, Mom cried. I also cried. Everybody cried. The stomach is a second brain, as its sharp radiant stress pain 
tells me my jalopy van and Subaru are a financial drain, I think it would be wise to take a mindful walk inside the light falling rain. What use and purpose is it to complain? It's difficult, though, because that way is such a common everyday refrain. Episode 435 of Troubadours and Rakan Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Martina Mayok, our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavis, the five young child poets from Hiroshima and these musical artists. Thelonious Monk, Linda Lindell, Declan McKenna, Nico Case, 
The Five Stair Steps, Sublime, Branford Marsalis and Terence Blanchard too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care.